From the Carter Subaru Studios, this is the Jack and Spike Show. Welcome to the Jack and Spike Show. Washington lawmakers are not going to have any testimony on a couple of policies, which normally is a bad thing, but in this case, it's a good thing. Going back to the people is what it means. Jesse Jones has a piece over at Cairo 7 talking about the scams that are the romance scams that are emerging. Specifically in our area, one woman lost a tremendous amount of money. But before we get to all of that, our very good friend Jason Rance over 770 KTTH has a piece that Spike O'Neill says is blown out of proportion. Spike O'Neill, my radio partner and friend, had the audacity to say to me in the pre-show meeting, he said, this isn't that big of a deal. I said, what? Spike says, <laughs> well, this isn't that big of a deal. I said, Spike, how could you say this? He says, I don't know if this is really totally accurate. I said, Spike, we can't say these things on the air. Jason Rance will hear this. Right. And then that's we'll exactly get- what you said. Too. <laughs> I appreciate the accuracy of your reporting. I thank do. you. Thank you. You betcha, buddy. So basically what happened is the Seattle English students are told that it's white supremacy to love reading and writing. And basically what happened is that a parent who listens to Jason Rance's show sent over a section of a quiz that was basically sent out to the kids. And in that quiz... The teacher, I'm assuming, is an English teacher. Yeah, English lit teacher. Is trying to match words and phrases that are the nine characteristics of white supremacy. And then you have to match the term to the definition or traits, right? Mm -hmm. So everybody understands this. But this is basically a list of fairly woke, pedantic nonsense. And so I understand why someone would take issue with this and say, you're telling my kids that the love of the written word is somehow ingrained or involved with white supremacy. That's pretty ridiculous, right, Spike? Well, that that's one way to see this assignment. Okay. And, and I want to say, first and foremost, I think it's fantastic that Jason gives a, 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 a not an avenue, but a, a, a format, a platform. I don't. I for, criticize him for it. I'm like, yeah. don't, I'm like, don't listen to other people. Just have your own opinions, Jason. You're when, smart when, enough. When a parent in this community has an issue <laughs> that they really want somebody to get into, yeah. somebody with some heft, mm-hmm. a little gravitas, mm-hmm. they can come to Jason and he will, he will dig in. He will find out what's going on. He most certainly does. He will. Uh, and this dad, I, can, I get it. This dad confesses, <laughs> admits, uh, or shares with Jason. I don't want to frame this in any kind of narrative mm-hmm. shares with Jason that I've taught my kid to be on the lookout for this kind of thing. Oh. This kind of indoctrination type lessening. He is right. right. This is indoctrination though, uh, right? W- well, w- with the way the father frames this, that loving of writing and reading and writing is white supremacist to love the written word. Mm-hmm. That's not what the lesson is teaching. That's not even what the quiz that has been put forth okay. on Jason's website. That's not what's being said at all in this quiz. But I see the picture right here. Yeah, you I do. see that the it says nine characteristics of white supremacy. Right? And then I see the the exact thing that's talking about the honoring only what is written and even then only what is written into a narrow standard full of misinformation and lies right and erasure of the wide range of ways we communicate with each other exactly did you hear what you just read mm-hmm. it's not uh, it's not love of the written word mm-hmm. it's love of the written word being in one point of view only mm-hmm. often with misinformation mm-hmm. and omissions of facts mm-hmm. take for example the texas school board who likes to put out textbooks that say slavery was good for the black American. Right, but that's, it taught him j- valuable job skills he could use later in his free life. But that's that's not one of the characteristics of white supremacy. That's just a characteristic of bias. Do you know yes, what I mean? Yes, but in a community that is based on a white supremacy standard, that's the kind of bias they employ to keep their way of it's life a, going a fair, forward. It's a fair point. But yeah. if you came to me and you said, what are the nine characteristics of white supremacy? I would say, okay, well, first and foremost... 
It's a bunch of white people. You got to think they're supreme. <laughs> Superior. Rule yeah, number yeah. one. Yeah, I, I, I get you. You got to be a bunch of white people there. Yeah, yeah. And then rule number two, they have to believe in a hierarchy of races at mm-hmm. which Caucasians sit at the top of that hierarchy. And then rule number three is that they want to live in a, an ethnically segregated society. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. And yeah, then yeah. rule number four is they all have to really love Mountain Dew and Dr. Pepper and Marlboro Reds, right? <laughs> hey, That's very yeah. important to remember. Uh, can we also subclub include NASCAR? No, I wouldn't include and, NASCAR and not, in no, that. Okay. No, no, That's no. That's too pejorative? That's too pejorative. How about the Confederate flag? Can we throw that in? You could throw that okay, in. Good. Confederate cool. flag is good. I like that we're setting realistic boundaries. Here. Right. So if that was the thing, but to say that perfectionism, right, or the right to comfort or individualism is a characteristic of white supremacy is in fact, that is, these are wrong definitions, right? Well, I, I think, uh, but I, can I say this? Can yeah, I give you credit for this? Mike? Sure. I see what you're doing in the sense of saying that you could take these and have these be like, I'm looking at this from the top down perspective. Yeah, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm reading the title and then what the definitions are and what the teacher was trying to express to the kids. But I see you looking at this at the minutia, at the smaller level, and saying, well, these things aren't really bad on their face. Right. You have to, when they're twisted and perverted to suit a certain narrative, that's when they can become bad and troublesome. Right. And the class is uh, literally world literature and composition. Mm-hmm. Right. And and the father who reached out to Jason's complaining, this isn't even what my kid, my kid was taking a writing class. He wasn't taking a white supremacy class. Mm-hmm. I think what this teacher is trying, and I'm just assuming, I think the teacher is trying to keep, teach his kids to be critical thinkers. To be looking at, 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 at looking at writing and looking at various uh, various elements of the written word and of mm-hmm. composition and say, look, this these are the ways that words can be perverted, that composition and literature can be perverted to direct a narrative that can... Right, but it, I would say that the, the teacher is fairly myopic in applying these characteristics only to white supremacy because I could take these and I could apply these to black supremacy, right? Oh, a- absolutely. Or I could take absolutely. these and I could... I could Tie this to the idea, like there's this big idea within Chinese nationals that that or you know Chinese nationalism that the, indeed Chinese people are the apex of of human civilization, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I could take these and I could apply them to any racial demographic. I think the objection here from this teacher in this school district is that sh- they are only applying it to white supremacy as a concept, okay. which in a way seems fairly targeted. Instead of talking about is what does ethnic supremacy sound like? writ large and right. this is what it sounds like writ well large. and when you it also says when you only respect and appreciate and value the written word mm-hmm. as opposed to storytelling mm-hmm. you know and, and folklore which is much more of a marginalized community trait or an ethnic community like the, the native american story white people got white people got folklore white people got all kinds of remember they, they do uh, what were we talking about the apple guy the other Johnny day apple seed what laura can you name a couple of these we got the tornado guy you got the what's the tall one paul bunyan Thank paul you. bunyan right. white people who, who got all kinds of folklore right? right took out the trees so people could live and plant farm right i mean white people plant trees again <laughs> sure because we've killed all the trees thanks a lot paul right i mean white people have all kinds of shared stories i hear you like the legend you. of bob barker right i mean these oh, are all right he went <laughs> spaying and neutering animals coast to coast <laughs> And giving away cars and refrigerators on vacations. All right. I think we can agree on one thing here. Yes. Our friend Jason Rance knows how to write a headline. That is very true. I mean, the guy knows how to write. And also a book, by the way, where you can pick up at fine stores and Amazon. What's Killing America? Fantastic read if you Another have the time. Another catchy title. Yeah, I know exactly. <laughs> right? See? right. So watch talent. <laughs> Washington lawmakers won't hear testimony on climate policy in the capital gains repeal efforts. Now, when I first read this, because I am a reactionary, I said, what? I said, everybody, 
everybody the initiatives. What do you mean you're not going to talk not, about you're, it? You're just going to stuff this cap gains tax down our throat. You're right. not going to you're not going to let us question your overreaching green policies. <laughs> right. But then because uh, I have to read things uh, because reading is part of my job. And actually, fundamental. It actually just means that it's just going to go right to the ballot. Yes. It's just going to go right there. So then people will be able to vote on whether or not to repeal the state's new capital gains tax and the state's new carbon market, which I'm sure that if we're going to be on the side of uh, what, how many people in the in 4,000 people in the state who are affected by the capital gains tax? Yes. Yeah. Because well, we're voting for those people not right. have to pay 7% over $250,000. I think of they have the 0.01ers. Pill, pill exactly. Yeah. So thankfully, we can all help the richest of the rich pay less in taxes because we are afraid of paying taxes. No, no, that's not. I get it. That's the only argument that people ever give me is the slippery slope, slope well, argument. Because, no, that's the we are, we're all going to be millionaires. Yeah, that's, temporarily that's, emba- yeah. embarrassed millionaires. Like we're, we're, we're on our way to right. being affected by this cap. Listen, tax. I hate taxes. I am in the second highest tax bracket. I pay 30% of my income to Uncle Sam, and then he comes to me. Every time I buy anything, he wants more. Uncle Sam is the greediest relative I've ever had in my life. And then he right? has a nerve to say, can I give this to you, Chris? Can I, you, okay <laughs> if I, you okay if I send this to Taiwan? I am, I am tired of being taxed. At the same time, if Uncle Sam offered me a 7% tax... Oh, thank you, Uncle Sam. Thank yeah. you so much. On $250,000. Oh, thank you, Uncle Sam. That's so nice of you. So I just think that the, the, I'm so vehemently against taxes. But in this instance, if you were to ask me, well, what kind of tax policy would you like? Well, if somebody sells over $250,000 worth of stocks, I think it might be a good idea to tax them right around 7%. Take a little taste, taste of that. Little just a, taste, just a little, little bit, bit of a taste. Beak wet, they say. Right. So that's why I don't have any, any issue with this. And I think that people have been propagandized to be against it simply because it has the word tax in it. Right. But then at the same time, you got to think to yourself, if we want to have a functioning society, we want to have nice schools. We want to have nice roads. We want to have snow plows and whatnot. Right. You might want to, I don't know tax people, but people hate that, and then they call me a communist, and then they tell me that they hate me. <laughs> Laura, why are you looking sad? Are you sad for me right now because of my political opinion? No, I'm just laughing. I think the uh, the difference between a temporarily embarrassed millionaire is a temporarily living in the suburbs or city person who plans to live into, like, move into the woods. Yes. And doesn't care about roads or snowplows. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> well, I mean, to, to your point, too, the fact that they're not going to have hearings, the state legislature is not going to have hearings on these two particular items, I thought, I thought initially the same thing you thought. They don't care about these? No, they're going right to ballot. Yeah. There, there were six initiatives. There's still four out there. And they. I found that reading this piece, which is really well written, legislature has three options. To not have hearings and just let it go straight to the ballot in, in this November, which these two will, mm-hmm. or they can come up with alternatives to this initiative, which can also appear on the ballot mm-hmm. side by side with the proposed initiatives we're already familiar with, or they can just pass it into law and it won't need to go to a ballot because they'll look at this issue, pass a law to address the situation and go from there. The last four issues probably they're either, and they could either pass laws or appear or make alternatives for the last four issues. A legislative analysis estimates the repeal would decrease state revenues by about $693 million in 2024 fiscal year and $913 million in the 2025 fiscal year. I like police. I want more police. Right. I like firefighters. I'd like more of them. Mm-hmm. I'd like more health care services for people. I'd like better schools. If I sold $250,000 worth of stock, you're telling me that everything over that is taxed at 7%. That sounds like a pretty good deal. Call me crazy as somebody who's already taxed into oblivion. 
I have yet to hear a good argument against this that's not a slippery slope argument, which is a logical fallacy. True. Right? True I have yet to hear a good argument. Because this is what every time, Laura, this is the argument that people give me. What about when it happens to you, Jack? What about when they come after you? They already do. I pay more taxes that I pay an unbelievable amount in taxes, right? I pay basically tuition in taxes every single year. And then people come to me and they go, oh, Jack, what about when it happens to you? I pay the equivalent of a year's mortgage in taxes. And then people go, oh, Jack, what about when it happens to you? It's the most annoying argument that people give to me, right? Uh, but 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 they're looking out for themselves and their families. No, they're not. But- they're looking out for 4,000 people who don't want to pay 7%. <laughs> this, this- and they're on their way to that, remember? <laughs> they're on their way. <laughs> right. And I'm amazed that only 4,000 right. people are going to you know pay you know what, $650 million. You know what drove me crazy was that when I bought that base from that guy uh-huh. in Florida, you, I had to pay 10% sales tax on that That's purchase. A great state of Washington, my friend. Right. It gets their taste. That's insane. Why aren't we more upset about that? Why aren't there people walking? Why aren't people sending me emails threatening my life talking about the sales tax? But every time I bring up the capital gains tax, everyone's like, Jack, you're a communist. Boo. It's the most annoying thing I've ever. Right. We should Every be- man, woman, and child can give 10.1%, but God forbid the rich give seven. <laughs> right? It's so bad. Yeah. Yeah. It's so bad. I just can't get over how brainwashed people are. And I'm happy to move off of this topic, being that it'll probably go away and we'll never have to talk about it again. Jesse Jones has a piece over at Cairo 7 about a woman who uh, lost $100,000 to a sophisticated romance scam. Spike, you got the details on this? Because I I know the FBI gets something like 20,000 tips a year for these kinds of crimes. Yeah, exactly. I Uh, was one of those one year. I gave a tip on on, uh, someone's scam. Remember that story happened with my dad? Oh, yeah, yeah. I thought you meant a love scam. You were a romance scam. No, no, my dad was a romance scam. Oh, that's that's right. So toward the... Laura, did I tell you this story? Oh, I've never heard this story. Toward my... The end of my dad's life, his... My internet. Her name was... Karina, and she was much younger than, than he was. It's a really beautiful fake name, right? And cool. it, you know what right? it means. Had you know a beautiful it, fake photo to go with it. Too. You know what it means in Espanol, Karina. It means loved. Isn't that so sweet? Isn't that so sweet? So anyway, uh, she says, "I'd love to come stay with you, but I need to pay off the rest of my lease, and it's going to cost me ten thousand dollars to pay off the rest of my lease." So what does Daddy J do? He says, of course, why Why wouldn't I just send that right over to you? Yeah, there you go. There's a check for $10,000. And then she says, oh, my car broke down. I need to buy a new I, car. I, and the car that I need to move all the way out to where you live has to be an off-road vehicle. So I'm going to need another $50,000. And my dad goes, that sounds good to me. And then she writes him another. It's an investment, right? Because she's driving it to him. Right, sure, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And if he doesn't follow through, all the money he's already spent is just gone for nothing. So It's so close to love. Right. Now. He's so close to it. It, and then his final transaction was somewhere in the neighborhood of like $63,000. Yeah, when he said, how much do you need? And she said, how much do you have left? That right. should have been the sign. <laughs> you know, that, what a coincidence. That's, right. I, that's exactly how much I need to get my cat out of the vet. Right. I can't come without my cat. Well, to Jesse's piece, and it's on Cairo 7's website. Uh, I've known Jesse for the better part of 30 years. Can I finish my story? Oh, really I'm, I'm sorry. I'm no, sorry. no, it's totally cool. So one of the things that I ran into and I think that people need to know this, is that when I tried to get the money back, because I went through the bank and I spoke to the, the bank manager because I was so upset, I was irate about this. She goes, legally, we can't stop a wire transfer when someone signs off on it, and there's no way for us to track it as soon as they take it out of the bank. 
And I was like, okay. And they said, you're going to have to follow up and make a report with the FBI. And I went, okay. Right. And then they said, or you can get a lawyer and you can sue us. And I said, Ugh. so right. I just let it pass. And and to your point too, because that's often the case. These aren't people who are losing their mental capacities who are suffering from uh, Alzheimer's or dementia. Right. Where where they're being. These are just lonely people. Yeah. And yeah, that's yeah, often yeah. the case with Jesse's piece about being the, the elderly being most subjected to these type of scams is because they're, you know, they're widowers or they're recently divorced mm-hmm. and, they're, and they're lonely. Mm-hmm. And people reach out and they have these heart sob stories, a particular story involved in this piece Jesse's covering. And I'm, I'm not going to give the woman's name. She's been embarrassed enough. Like, oh, I'm a single dad with a five-year-old son. And then, so when the, when the authorities realize, when she realizes that she's been scammed and access to her bank account and her bank account's been drained of, in this case, six figures, you know, she called the authorities and the authorities are telling them, well, this is a scam. We've seen this time and time again. It's the classic mechanism right. of, of endearing yourself and making small incremental asks. Um, and she's like, no, 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 we're in love. This is real. Yeah. And, and that's the and people don't want to come forward with these stories. Jack mentioned almost 20,000 of these cases have been reported. But and, and most people don't want to come forward because they're embarrassed. Because they've been, because they admit they have to admit they're lonely, have to admit they're gullible, have to admit they've been scammed. Well, I think the other part of this too, though, is that in order to being solution oriented on this particular yes. story, don't give your banking information to anybody that you've never actually met. Right? <laughs> don't give your account information to anybody. Don't right. give a routing number. You know what I mean? Like it's got to be. Just really, don't send money. Period. Don't send money. To anyone period. that you haven't met. Well, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. That's those. Those are great pieces of advice. I'd also say. You know, if you've got somebody in your life that's in this situation that is alone later in life through whatever circumstance and all of a sudden there's a a spring in their step and a glint in their eye because they've met someone, get involved with the people in your life who are are vulnerable to this type of scam. I saw this video. (coughs) Pardon me. It absolutely, I thought it was the most heartwarming thing I've ever seen. It's this guy, he's he's sitting out front and he's in Florida. He's sitting out front on his deck. He's having a cup of coffee. Yeah. His elderly neighbor, who's like 90-something years old, says, do you mind if I just sit with you? He's drinking his coffee, too. And the guy says, yeah, come on over, neighbor. And they catch their whole conversation on the Zoom yeah. doorbell ring camera. Right. And I thought, that's neighborly, right? Yeah. That's how you prevent this kind of thing from right. going Get to on. Know, we talked about this yesterday with various... We don't have communities anymore. Right, right, Even right. Even amongst our own family. Right, right, right. So that's... That's a great way to make sure this doesn't happen to somebody you love or to yourself. Or even just a neighbor or somebody that you know who lives down the street. You know what I mean? Exactly. Exactly. So we'll take a really quick break. Speaking of being alone, by the way, there's a former professor from Evergreen State who has become very, very famous on the Internet. And he went on a bizarre rant the other day on Joe Rogan's podcast about why he's not friends anymore with Elon Musk. And it's it's people are talking about it like it's it's really awkward to see. This is a man who is an academic who taught at Evergreen, who became famous, and now he's begging Elon Musk to talk about him. We're going to talk about the details of it because wow. it is hilarious. We'll talk about it when we get back right after this. The internet can be a dark and often dangerous place. Only one man has the courage to go where no sensible person would go. Jack Stein is terminally online. Terminally online, exploring the deepest, darkest reaches of the internet so that you don't have to. Brett Weinstein, or Weinstein, depending on whatever podcast he's on, uh, is a former professor from Evergreen State College. Now, he left in 2017 
because a bunch of students wanted to have a, I think it was a no whites day on campus or something like that? There, there was a, a protest that he didn't want to be a part of. Right. And, and, and to the point where he left the university. Right. And his wife, I believe, taught there as well. Now, I have a little bit of a bias here because he and I are both, uh, we're both alumnus of the same college. He went to the University of California, Santa Cruz. Okay. I went to the University of California, Santa Cruz. So I have a bit of a bias towards Mr. Weinstein in the fact that I strongly dislike him. I think that he is a charlatan and a grifter, mm. and I think that he has figured out that if he, by leaving academia, if he can engage in counterculture rhetoric, then he can get more attention for his crazy kooky ideas. So, for instance, he is a big purveyor of the idea that AIDS is not actually caused, it's not actually an STD but it's an immunodeficiency that's caused by the excessive use of poppers, which is nitrous gas that people used to use back in the 90s, which has been widely refuted in almost every single paper I've ever read about it, but he still really likes that idea, being that he's a quote-unquote biologist who apparently doesn't know how to read scientific data, but that's okay, and it doesn't really matter. So he was on Joe Rogan's podcast, and he said this thing that I thought was unbelievably weird and awkward about being terminally online. He is the definition of this. He has okay. a sickness that I think many other Americans suffer from, which is this idea that if you're not getting in the right kind of Internet attention, that something is wrong with the system. Maybe not it's you. It's not you. It's, not- <laughs> it's the system. Okay. Right. Yeah. So he had this thing where he said basically that he was blocked by Elon Musk after meeting Elon Musk. And when I heard this, I said, I've heard a similar line of logic from a crazy ex-girlfriend or two. Here's what that sounded like from Brett Weinstein the other day. I was not going to mention this, Uh-oh. but I went to see Musk. Um, I spent about a half an hour with him. At the end of it, he said that he thought it was a good discussion and he wanted to meet again. And I said, anytime. On my trip back home, literally from that meeting, my Twitter account got hijacked for the first time ever. And I was concerned about it because not only... Is it alarming to have your account captured? But I had been DMing with Musk, including encrypted DMs. So I contacted him, right? Yeah. Alarm. And yes. I said, my account's been captured. Not sure what to do about it. We were in a discussion and uh, we were talking about the fact that the account itself has weird uh, behavior on mm-hmm. Twitter, which I didn't know if that was relevant or not. And he asked me for more information and I started to tell him about this trend stuff. Mm-hmm. He blocked me. Now, I don't know what that is. I don't think he's on the other team. I don't he think... blocked you? Yes. He blocked me, and I'm blocked to this day, which seems strange. It could be that he's forgotten that he's done it, but I don't think so. Why would he block you? I have no idea. It makes no sense. This is crazy ex-girlfriend now, it's possible talk. that he... You know, he's very busy. It's possible that he took what I was telling him about the behavior of my account as if I thought it was his obligation to pay attention to me personally, which I never thought. But maybe he interpreted it that way. Hmm. The last thing he said was, stop spamming me. It's very <laughs> strange for a guy who said oh. he wanted to have another meeting. Is that not, this is ex-boyfriend harassing girl, ex-girlfriend. Do you know what I'm saying? This is, we meet, we go out on a date together. I really like you. 
you're kind of uh about it and then all of a sudden you start getting text messages from that guy on the way home from on the, the date. way home from the date right laura you picking up what i'm putting down oh yeah he starts i've been in this situation several times right where all of a sudden he starts saying well you're gonna have to change your hair and obviously you know i noticed that you were you took a long time going to the bathroom and the next time i really time- liked what you were wearing <laughs> can you wear that again <laughs> right so this is this is my thought about this next time can we meet in a park <laughs> I- <laughs> oh, my. oh no this is a level of obsession that people have with twitter that is unbelievably unhealthy wherein you have a guy who i am told is an academic i am told that this is someone who's an intellectual thought leader, but he is exhibiting the characteristics of a 13 or a 14 or maybe even an emotionally damaged young man in the pursuit of the attention of the world's richest man. I love meeting guys in parks. (laughs) So much so that he is now on the world's biggest podcast crying about the fact that the world's richest man has blocked him on Twitter. This is a sickness. These are problems that if I explained them to people from 100 years ago, they would say, who are you and what time are you from? Really? And I would say the future and they would say, kill the demon. But my (laughs) point is, is that this is a bizarre psychosis that many people are falling into. And I think that we need to address this and and go to someone like Professor Weinstein or Weinstein and say, sir, this is mental illness. You need to seek help for this. This is not the way that adults communicate boundaries to each other. You got blocked. That means she doesn't want to talk to you again. Yeah. Right. Laura, is that the way it works out? <laughs> That's exactly what that means. <laughs> I gave advice to a, a guy on the Internet. I think I told you about this. He was trying to figure out how to get around a restraining order so that he could apologize to a girl that he dated. Oh, you should tell me about Ooh. this. And yeah. everybody was trying to explain to him that the restraining order is there because you are an unhealthy person. And he kept saying, I know I want to let her know that I know that now. And they were all trying to say, no, it's because you are doing this. You don't know. She knows that you're not well. Right. You don't need to tell her that you know that you're not well. (laughs) The fact that you won't let this go tells me that you don't really get it yet. Right. I mean, you you nailed it out of the gate with this guy. He left academia. Yeah. Because there's much more money in conspiracy clicks. Yeah. And and, and there's a a need to get more and more likes, more followers, more, Mm -hmm. more, Attention. Yes, it's atten- the attention, attention economy. But validation as yeah. well, right? Yeah. Well, then you get a, you get an audience with the best looking kid at school, Elon Musk, right? Mm-hmm. You get you get a dinner date. You go into breadsticks with Elon Musk, <laughs> you know, and he it's going well, and he's like, yeah, I think we should get together again. I'm gonna go to the restroom real quick. Meanwhile, he's out front getting the valley to get yeah. his car, and he's down the road. Yeah. And you're texting him from the bus stop afterward. Hey, I really like what you're wearing. I mean, yeah, this guy's really. That's what I'm saying. And then he goes on to talk about, I don't think we need to play this. I don't think we have the time. But he starts talking about uh, he was trending and he didn't understand why, because he did an interview with Tucker Carlson. Mm -hmm. And he was saying, well, it got six million views on Twitter, which, by the way, those views are fake. And he says, he says, I kept I kept looking at Twitter to see if we were trending. We weren't trending. And then I saw that my first name was trending. And when I clicked on it, it was just stories about Brett Favre. This is sickness. This is mental illness. And I think yeah. we need to start letting people know wh- there's help available for you, Professor Weinstein. There's help out there. All you have to do is ask for it. This is a clear cry for help from a man who has fallen from grace and is embarrassing in a lot of ways, but also is just sad to see a guy in his mid-50s opining and simping for the world's richest guy. Laura's just la- cackling over there at this story. How many messages were you sending him? Three or four. 
Three or four an hour? <laughs> an hour on the plane ride just ask, home? Just asking. Just questions. asking, yeah. Just, just like three or four, like every five or ten minutes, three or four. We'll take really a really blobby instead of poop emoji. We'll take a really quick break when we get back. Fonnie Willis is currently testifying in a case involving the Rico case with Donald Trump. This legal quagmire is confusing, but Mr. O'Neill is going to explain to us what exactly is going on, why CNN is doing wall-to-wall coverage on it, and why it's very significant in the upcoming trial of former President Donald Trump. We'll talk about all that and more when we get back right after this. That's right, the Jack and Spike show on YouTube. It's different from the Cairo Radio YouTube channel. We have our own YouTube channel where we do digital exclusive content. Generally do it after the show, post it the next day. And so you get to see Spike and I get to a bunch of stories that we didn't get to that day. And a lot fun. happens and we only have three hours to get right. to it all. So we like to give you a little little bonus material. They also tend to be funnier, I think, as well. Let our hair down a little bit. <laughs> okay. You know, we do we kind of take a little more irrelevant views yeah. on issues that the, we wouldn't share here on the on the broadcast. The Jack and Spike show on YouTube, and I appreciate everybody who comments. So the there's a case going on right now about the case against former President Donald Trump in Fulton County, Georgia. Now the DA Fonnie Willis is being accused of impropriety because she hired a guy who she would later have a relationship with. Right. And so people are and then some expenses were exchanged, allegedly. Mm -hmm. And so there is now a judge who is overseeing this case because Trump's defense team is saying that this calls into question the integrity of the entire case. You've summed it up beautifully. Perfect. Okay. so but I ask you this question, my friend. Uh, Everybody says that this is all these charges against Trump. Mm-hmm. They're all deep state, right? They're all it's coming most, it's down. It's the most common argument against. They're all coming down on old Cheeseburger Don up there because mm-hmm. the deep state's trying to prevent him from running again, right? right? They don't want him to run again. He's not one of them. Even though he gave them all tax breaks and weapons <laughs> contracts, and even though he hired 2.3 million jobs to the Department of Transportation and blew out the budget, they right. want to get rid of him because right. they can't stand him, even though he bumped bump stocks, which is exactly what Nancy Pelosi wanted him to do. They're going after him because they can't stand him. But here's the thing that's weird about this. If the deep state was going after former President Donald Trump, I asked you this question unironically, Spike. Would they, would, if the deep state, let's assume shady G-men in back rooms, would they even allow this to take place if it's if if they were so entrenched in the deep state? Right. <laughs> would would the would the strongest case against Donald Trump now be almost entirely called into question and potentially thrown out because a woman decided to go on a date with a man and then pay for his expenses? No, it makes, no. When you look at it from a perspective of logic and not trying to find a conspiracy of why your guys getting persecuted, it makes right. perfect sense. You're absolutely right. The thing about this case in Georgia is it's the one case that is not a federal case. That is a state case. Mm. We, we, we can talk about the uh, the New York cases are different, and right. they also are not federal cases. But when you talk about former President Trump's issues, whether it's the J6 case in D.C. or the Docs case in Florida, this Georgia case is a state prosecution, not a federal prosecution, meaning that should the former president reclaim the Oval Office mm-hmm. and appoint his own Department of Justice, mm-hmm. he can he can dismiss any kind of federal charges mm-hmm. he wants to. That's why the, 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 the time game, the delay game is one of the theories, conspiracies put forth by the left that Trump okay. just wants to delay. But in Georgia, this, this, these are charges that he and his co-conspirators can't escape from with a federal pardon. It's a state crime. And they're going after the former, or the, the DA, Fonnie Willis, 
like you said, there's there's allegations of an inappropriate relationship with her one of her prosecutors. But she admits to it. She, she admits ad- to she it. She admits that it started after this individual was hired. Right. She admits to the exchanging of funds. Right. They they went on vacations together. Some he paid for, some she paid for. Right. And the, then, but then there's no evidence. Basically, it seems like a very circumstantial case, and is. I'm surprised. It's an unusual case in a lot of ways. And I think what's even more bizarre about this is it will likely result, if I had to put money on it, mm-hmm. the case is going to proceed. Because if it's all testimony, and if it's all circumstantial, and they don't have any ATM records of her taking money out of right. of, of right. state funds, you don't have any checks that are the state of Georgia written to her boyfriend, you got nothing at that point in well, time. Well, there are allegations that he was way overpaid because they were dating. Mm. There are allegations that he was hired even though he has no uh, experience in this type of prosecution. Mm. He wasn't fit for the job, and he got the job, was overpaid because they were dating. They were in a relationship. Maybe the deep state wants this to happen because they want. <laughs> I can't keep up. Now, think about this for two seconds. Okay. Like, this, all the pieces are now beginning to form in front of me, mm-hmm. right? Fonnie Willis is actually working for Donald Trump. Right. Okay. So she's trying to sandbag the case. You picking up what I'm putting I down? I do. And she started dating this guy, even though she didn't really like him. Exactly. Oh wow, this because is good. she is in opposition to the deep state, right? Who was trying to bring, to bring this guy on, right? Because he's an expert criminal prosecutor, and Fonnie Willis is actually fighting against. The deep state, whatever right. that means. She drank as much box wine as was needed and just went <laughs> went out with the guy. Just to right. Get, well, the thing is, it, one of the people bringing these accusations up against Fonnie Willis, or, or more importantly, uh, the uh, prosecutor, this guy's not qualified, this guy's not qualified. This woman who's bringing the complaints campaigned for this guy when he was running for public office in Atlanta. Mm. He's the greatest. He's nobody better qualified. I mean, it's it's so cheesy, and they're just trying to muddy the waters. All right. Well, we'll talk about this more when we get back right after this. Uh, we're also going to be talking about the former Tacoma police officers who were acquitted in the Manny Ellis case. They're asking the state to pay for their defense costs. But when I looked into it, I'm not sure you can do that in a criminal case, but they might have an argument. We'll tell you why that is when we get back right after this. Also, continuing issues with Trump trials. You've got a hush money case proceeding. That's got a date in March. It yeah. has a date in March. And Vladimir, <laughs> I wish I did. <laughs> Sorry, Vladimir, Vladimir Putin chimed in on who he wants to be the next president of the United States. Big tip. It's the deep state when we get back right after this.